This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Hump Day edition of The Yard, a little later than I expected. I had a great plan today, but we had some people out here working at the house, and so I wanted to get all that stuff done before I recorded. And while they worked, I was working on uh, on, on the 1981 College World Series chapter of the new book. Got that finished, roughing that up. We'll do some edits here, and then I'll uh, I'll send that in. It'll go back to the editorial process, and then they'll spit it back out to me. We'll get that finished. And uh, so here's where we are. I know a lot of you guys are are, are you know eager. To pre-order the book will be available to pre-order once it's pushed off the print. That'll be uh, a few weeks. But uh, I've got one chapter left to rough out, and when I say rough it out, I write them and I write them as perfectly as I can, and then you know, it goes to you know grammatical edits and content edits, and you know, there's sometimes there's rewrites that sort of stuff, and so that process will wrap up this month. But I got one chapter left after today, just one. That's going to be about. The Alan McKean era at Mississippi State, I interviewed Harper Davis. Long-time coaching legend in Mississippi history. Played at Mississippi State. World War II veteran. American hero. I'd always been curious about that story. I wanted to know what really happened. A lot of people had theories about it. Well, I talked to Harper Davis. It's my own research. I was prepared for an interview. As a matter of fact, when I sat down to make my wish list for the next Dark Villains book, I said, okay, who do we want to talk to? Who, what stories do I want to write this time through? The very first story that I wrote down was Alan McKean, the story of Alan McKean. The last interview I did for the book was Coach Harper Davis. And there was a time I kind of gave up on the possibility of having it. I thought, you know, well, number one, who is still going to be alive that would actually have some insight into all of that? And so, as fate would have it, I got a message. I get a lot of those. Somebody said, hey, listen, Steve, you ought to interview Harper Davis. He was a great player here. So I checked my timeline and saw that his senior year was 1948, the same year that Alan McKean was resigned, shall we say. So I tracked down Harper Davis, spent some time uh, talking to him, and he was in the middle of, uh, of leaving town for a bit. This is back in the beginning of the pandemic. Found out later that my good friend Matt Jones is actually the grandnephew of Harper Davis, Matt Jones, former Mississippi State baseball player, number 23, played first base for us, went to Omaha. But Brad, his grandfather is Art Davis, who played for the Pittsburgh Steelers after his career at Mississippi State was over. So a lot of athletes, a lot of Bulldog athletes in that family. And Brad just kind of mentioned to me in passing one day, 
that uh, Art Davis was his grandfather. Somebody else had mentioned it to me, and I reached out to Brad, and then Brad kind of connected me, kind of found out that Coach Davis had uh, had actually moved over to Alabama to live with his son for a little while while this global pandemic was going on. So they, they took some precautionary measures. And so I finally connected with Coach Davis, and it was an absolute joy to speak to him. Absolute joy. He was, uh, as I began to interview him, he's like, no, no, Steve, where are you from? How did you get to be a Bulldog? As, you know, and I feel like I made a friend. But I also learned some valuable things about Mississippi State sports that I didn't know before. And one of the main reasons that I began writing these books about Mississippi State is because many of our heroes have, have died off and are dying off. And with them, much of our history has died off as well. Yeah, we've got box scores, we got schedules, we got that sort of stuff. We got some ball trophies. But the stuff that happened in the locker room, the behind the scenes stuff, that sort of stuff, when they go, that knowledge goes with them. And so I'm trying to document as much of that as I can. And there are a lot of people that reach out and say, hey, you know, Steve, here's a great story for you. And there are a lot of stories out there that uh, that are important to individuals. You know, it's like, hey, well, my dad, you know, played at Mississippi State and uh, he was on base when so-and-so hit this home run. Or, and, you know, those are big parts of, of our story, but I can't get to all of them. I'm, I'm going to do my best to get to every story that I can, but you know, there are a lot of times that some people think they have a chapter, and it's really just a paragraph. But Harper Davis, I could probably write a book about his life. He's such an interesting guy. But I look forward to wrapping that up, and I'm going to take some time. Uh, actually, tonight, I'm, I'm not even going to slow down. I'm going to go ahead and go right in tonight and start kind of getting my research and my facts together and I'll begin to write that and I'll finish that up this week and um and then we'll begin gathering pictures and we'll be able to you know, we'll have to go take some more pictures and you know that's that's one of the things that I, I like least is getting my picture made uh for these books because it's like when I we did flim flam the picture of me outside of Davis Wade Stadium was really windy that day so my hair was kind of messed up my beard was blowing to the right and and so every podcast or Video thing I ever did, that picture was everywhere. That picture that I didn't like was everywhere. And so last time, I liked the pictures a little bit better. So now I've got to go through all that again. But it'll, it'll all work out. It's all good. Nobody's buying a book based on my headshot. But um, hope you guys are doing well today. I want to remind you, our friends at Bulldog Burger Company, here to serve you. Longtime sponsors of this show. Longtime members of this community. Longtime members of a great restaurant family that has served the Golden Triangle for many, many years. Bulldog Burger Company has something for everybody. If you want to get that great restaurant-quality hamburger, there's no need to to look anywhere else. It's right here at Bulldog Burger Company. You can get a gluten-free bun. You can get no bun. You can get it however you want it. you got to get the spring rolls when you go, though. They'll make you better looking, and the people around you. We all need need more of that. There's now two locations to serve you right here on University Drive, in Stark, Vegas, and then on Gloucester Street in Tupelo, Mississippi. Got a lot of great reviews about that, you know, pre-pandemic. They know what they're doing. These people know how to feed folks. Go by, let them feed you and your family. Give mom a night off. Call, you can go to eatwithus.com and you can make an order online, or you can call up there and just place your order and go by and pick it up and bring it home. Save mom a lot of time and trouble. Give her a night off. She's put up with a lot. Bulldog Burger Company, the place for people in Starkville and now Tupelo, go to meet. M-E-A-T. So, a couple things I want to get into. I had a, I had a special request today uh, for the top ten list, so we'll get to some of that. But uh, 
Earlier today, it was made official by Florida State University that uh, Jari and Jones, Fabian Lovett, and ironically, a uh, player from Florida Atlantic have joined their program. It is now official. They are members of the Seminole football program. Wish those guys the best. I, I don't harbor ill will when guys leave. Uh, you know, it's one of those things, too, especially with you know, the, the circumstances sometimes that people leave. You know, it's easy to, uh, to get our feelings hurt. But I don't harbor any ill will towards the, uh, either of those guys. But it is now official. They are gone. And, uh, and then Charles Cross. I, I shared this on the Jeans Page message board a couple days ago. Uh, Charles Cross reported for workouts here at Mississippi State. And there were some rumors out there. Some were trying to suggest that Charles Cross was unhappy and he was looking to transfer. And so based on the information that I have, Charles Cross was uh, here Monday. Charles Cross was in Starkville. Charles Cross uh, is going to be Mississippi State this year. And there are a lot of people out there, that, and, and it's one of the things you need to be mindful of. There are a lot of people out there that want to get the Bulldog goat. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of people out there that even if there's not anything to report, and there are some that are experts at that, uh, they, they kind of want to spread some misinformation around just to kind of create some unrest. And I think, I think at this point, I think we all have enough knowledge about some of this agenda-driven uh, journalism. And I hate to call it journalism because it's not. But in, you know, some of, basically, it's Internet trolling that some people do that, uh, you know, I just think you, you got to learn to take all that with a grain of salt. I mean, really. Now, I'm not, that's not to say that we're not going to have players leave. I mean, here's the thing. We haven't had the benefit of spring practice. And there's so many people out there that it, it's ironic to me that they claim to have such great sources about Mississippi State sports, but anytime something negative happens at all Miss, they, they don't seem to have any contacts. And so uh, I, I say that just to say this. Mississippi State people don't believe everything you hear and read from people because there are a lot of people out there that just – that when all this stuff began to happen, you know, with Jarian and Fabian, and, and, and I'll, I'll go back and, and tell you – this Fabian Lovett deal, that was a done deal, guys. I mean, it was absolutely done. And I actually think the whole Jari and Jones thing is complicated matters for, for Fabian Lovett. I really do. I, I think had, had all if everything had just kind of been handled the right way, I think Fabian Lovett and Jari and Jones are at Ole Miss today. I think they are. I, I, I think they really wanted to go to Ole Miss. You know, once they left here, I think they felt like, you know what, this will be okay. This will be a good opportunity for me. And so – you know, the Fabian Lovett thing, we have been hearing that for weeks that he was headed to Ole Miss. It was done. It's just a matter of time. They were just waiting for him to announce. And so he ultimately, from what I understand, actually did sign with Ole Miss and then was released from the letter of intent. But, uh, you know, I go back to the whole thing, too. Like, everybody wants to kind of lump the Fabian Lovett thing in with Jari and Jones because of the fact of how things kind of ended but uh you know Fabian Levitt left of his own accord and one of the things that I shared with you guys on the show uh Monday is that you know Fabian Levitt's been talking about transferring pretty much since you know for the last year I mean there's been probably half a dozen opportunities you know where he's had conversations with Mississippi State coaches and staffers but I think I think I want to move on and it wasn't that he was unhappy at Mississippi State it's just one of those things he just felt like he needed to get a fresh start and uh yeah listen I think Fabian's a good dude. I mean, there's a lot of people out there that, that think that he has NFL potential, and I'm one of them. I think that he is a guy is probably more difficult to to replace. 
uh, than see Jari and Jones at DB, even though we certainly have some needs at, at safety. But it's, when you play a premium position like defensive tackle, these guys are more difficult to come by. But remember, there is a lot of misinformation out there. And one of the things that I have always tried to do, and I haven't been 100%, uh, but I always try to share with you what I believe to be 100% accurate information. There are sometimes you got to figure out who to trust. And in our business, you depend a lot on sources. And a lot of people come up with their own theories and attribute them to sources to try to distance themselves from their own words. Uh, I, I have had some difficulties at times early in my career figuring out who to trust. But as I believe that I have matured and, and become more seasoned as a writer and as a journalist, I've developed a pretty good network of sources. And so when I need to know something, I know who to call. There are some people, too, when they know something, they know who to call, and that person is me because they know that I will do something with the information. I will report it. There are some people out there, uh, in years past, there have been things that have come up, they've been a little bit sensitive, and they've been a little bit worried about who to, to talk about, to talk about it with. They're kind of reluctant to share the information. If you ever read Flim Flam, you'll know I never burned a source. It's not the business that I'm in, but uh, the bottom line is this, is if I report something on this show and on our website and on social media, you better believe that I believe it to be true and that it has been well sourced and well documented, not bad in a thousand by any stretch, but I would suggest when it's come to these kind of things, I'm pretty doggone close. And so, again, I'm not going to rehash the whole thing, but there are a lot of things out there that I know and there are, there's some things that I know that would probably make some people very, very uncomfortable. And we'll just save that for a rainy day. But there are always things when it comes to rivalries and that sort of stuff. There's always something going on in the background. Always. That's just the reality of life. And, and listen, I, I don't need other people to embrace the rivalry in order for me to enjoy the rivalry. There are a lot of people out there that think, well, oh, the rivalry is so bad and so toxic. Listen, Here's the deal. I have interviewed countless Mississippi State players and former players. Raising that Golden Egg Trophy is a special moment. It is a special moment for those that, that have played at Ole Miss too. And for anybody to suggest that it's not, it's just being disingenuous. Now, it may not be the rivalry you want, but it's the rivalry you got. That's one of the things that I think a lot of people struggle with. They think, well, you know, I think there are some on the Ole Miss side in their minds that they should be LSU or Alabama, but they're not. They're not. They're not even Mississippi State. And so that's kind of where the rub comes in. It's like, well, you know, we think that we're Georgia. We're the Georgia of Mississippi. We're the LSU of Mississippi. We're the Alabama of Mississippi. We're the Tennessee. Because everybody thinks that there, there is a, you know, a dominant school in each southern state, and uh, that's just not the case in Mississippi. You're not, you're not Arkansas either. And so if you go around and you look around the southeast, I mean, really, Mississippi is really the only state where there is uh, – it's 50-50 most of the time. I mean, go back and do the, do the numbers. Since we went to uh, two divisions back in 1992, you'll be amazed. You'll be absolutely amazed. And so there are some that kind of long for the days gone by, you know, when Mississippi State just simply wasn't competitive. But those days are over. Those days were absolutely over. You know, when I, when I interviewed Coach Bob Tyler, and that's one of those things that uh, I'll always remember, 
spent a long time on the phone with Coach Bob Tyler, and he was such a gentleman. I mean, he it was an, absolutely a gentleman. And, uh, you know, if anybody had an ax to grind about how they had been treated in their career, it'd be, it'd be Bob Tyler, but he, he wouldn't go there. But, you know, when he got here, when, he, when Bob Tyler got to Mississippi State, there were a lot of people that felt that off-season conditioning was optional, that weightlifting was optional, that physical fitness was optional. We just kind of played football for fun. You know, we, we kind of lost our way a little bit in those years after Alan McKean. Yeah, Alan McKean was here, and there were some people that felt like, well, you know, our training methods and our, our offense had got a little bit antiquated, and, uh, you know, there was an, an upheaval of sorts within the, the donorship. And so we, we fired Coach McKean and uh, really lost our way for a while. When Coach Tyler got here, things began to change. People forget, uh, and I don't know how we could, but uh, from 1947 to 1963, Mississippi State went 0-16-3 against Ole Miss. That's the difference in the rivalry right there. You want to look at the, the all-time standings, that's the difference in the record is that stretch where Ole Miss was very committed to Mississippi to football, and Mississippi State really wasn't. Now, we can say we were, and I know there's a lot of former players that listen to the show, but from an administrative standpoint, we were not supportive of football the way we should be. That's the truth. Now, that, that may hurt some people's feelings, but that's the reality of it. The re, one of the reasons that Mississippi State did not have a bigger following during those years is because, as an administration, we were not committed to football the way we should have been. And uh, Bob Tower said, you know, Dr. Giles told him shortly after he got here, I need you to win a big game soon. And he did. Then we began the road back. We began the road back. But uh, that stuff's exciting to me. I mean, it really is. But there are a lot of people that kind of profited from the fact that Mississippi State was not very committed to football and really not much to athletics. I mean, we were really good at baseball. But uh, we, we did not have the financial wherewithal or the support of the Mississippi State Legislature like some other schools in the state did because, by and large, the, the state legislature was, uh, was full of Ole Miss-educated people. And so I, I get it. I don't blame them. I understand it. I think they had a responsibility to other schools. But I think leadership at times at Mississippi State uh, has been a little up and down. But when you look at where we are now and you look at the commitment the administration has made to athletics, you know, not only have we experienced a really good run the last several years, I believe we're just kind of beginning. I think, you know, years from now, when we're all dead and gone and there's some enterprising journalist out there that looks back at this stretch and says, you know what, hey, this is when things really kind of turn for Mississippi State. I think we're living that right now. I really do. You know, because of the fact we go out there and we, we build this grand cathedral to college baseball at Duty Noble Field, uh, I, I think that we are on the precipice of winning a baseball national championship. And we have been very, very, very close many times. But I believe with our commitment to facilities, we're going to recruit a different brand of athlete. It's going to be a different day. I've said on this show many times, Dr. Mark Keenum is a Mississippi State Bulldog. He's not a hired hand. He's one of us. The same for John Cohen. You've got people that have been here, lived here, that have, uh, you know, they have turned their back on the opponents sitting in the student section during a men's basketball game. They've rung a cowbell with their friends during a Saturday afternoon game, win or lose. These are our people. 
And I think it's important to have Bulldog people in leadership. I think those people stay, too. But uh, it, it is what it is. But uh, I'm eager to kind of move forward with, uh, with what's going to happen with football. And as you guys know, guys are kind of coming in. Since we were together, I have laid eyes on K.J. Costello. He is in Starkville. Saw him uh, Monday night, as a matter of fact. He and uh, Austin Williams and Will Rogers going out to get a bite to eat together. And uh, those guys look like they had already had a day of physical fitness. And that is encouraging news. And I think that's what you want to hear. They did not look like they were putting on their polo shirts to go be pretty boys and uh, go on a date. They look like they had put in a good day's work. It's going to be a different day and time. we got to get caught up here. But, uh, listen, there's a lot of things. Are going to, and again, we're already getting some reports about, you know, some kids that have come back, not in Mississippi State, but other schools that have tested positive for COVID. There is going to be some of that. There will be some mandatory quarantines. They will get it handled. But there are some people that are going to bring that back with them. They'll figure it out. I want to remind you to see our good friends at Campus Bookmart. Again, longtime sponsors of this show. Stand the man, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie. They're there to serve you. They're happy to serve you. They'll treat you like family because they see you as family because you are family. Simple as that. You can find all sorts of Mississippi State merchandise at campusbookmart.net. Maybe online shopping is your thing. Maybe you don't want to go by and get that free hug from Miss Kathy Brown or Stand the man. They're happy to give them out, especially when there's not a global pandemic. But all that being said, maybe online shopping is a way to go. You can visit them at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. All right, so we got some top 10s today. I had somebody reach out to me and say, hey, Steve, listen. Got a great idea for a top 10 list and uh, maybe a little something for the kids. Could you do a top 10 for the kids? I'm not going to do a top 10 for the kids. I'm going to do a top five, though. Because apparently, after I kind of workshopped this a little bit, I reached out to a couple people and said, hey, somebody asked me to do this. And they laughed and said, hey, will you do it? Because my kid listens. So here we go to all you kids. Here is my, again, I got two lists today. I got a top five and a top 10. So for our younger Bulldogs, I've got the top five dinosaurs, my top five dinosaur list. Number five, Brontosaurus. Number four, Stegosaurus. He's got a great backbone. Number three, the Velociraptor, really made famous in the Jurassic Park movies. Number two, Triceratops. I think he looks like a football player. You know what I'm saying? I think that guy could probably be a good offensive lineman for you. And number one, it's got to be the T-Rex, right? I mean, it's got to be Tyrannosaurus Rex. Just like the lion's the king of the jungle, the Tyrannosaurus Rex the king of dinosaurs. All right, so let's get the top 10. Top 10, and, and somebody says, you know, Steve, I like the music stuff, like the sports stuff, but when you change up the little music, we're going to do some music today. We're going to do the definitive, the definitive Seattle grunge band sound Pearl Jam. That's right. You know I'm a huge Soundgarden fan, and one day we'll do the Chris Cornell countdown here on the show. Some days, I don't know if I'm ready for that. But uh, got a chance to see Pearl Jam live in their infancy, man, right after uh, they began to hit it big. It is something that I'll always remember. But here are some of my favorite songs that didn't make the list. Here's some honorable mention Pearl Jam songs. Leash, 
off of verses. Indifference also off of verses. I know there's some friends of mine, that's their favorite Pearl Jam songs, Indifference. Nothing as it seems off uh, by Neural. And uh, Glorified G also off of verses. Glorified G, listen to that earlier in the car. All right, so here's my top 10 list. My top 10 Pearl Jam songs. Number 10, Sirens, that's off the uh, Lightning Bolt album. Uh, Go, also off of Verses. Number 8, Better Man, that's, that's a wonderful, wonderful song. Number 7, Rearview Mirror, also the uh, name of their greatest hits album. Number 6, Even Flow, that was really our, most people's first taste of Pearl Jam was when they played Even Flow, like on Headbangers Ball on MTV. Number five, I could have gone higher with this one, but it's Animal, which is, which is um, probably my favorite song on the Versus album. Number four is Daughter. That's, uh, if I'm not mistaken, that's off Vitology. Maybe not. Maybe it's Versus, too. Yeah, it's Versus. Uh, but that's a classic one. That's a Dennis Rodman classic. And Dennis Rodman was a big, uh, was a big Pearl Jam fan in the infancy of that band, but also, too, Pearl Jam originally named Mookie Blaylock. You remember Mookie, the point guard from, I guess, Oklahoma Sooners, and he wore number 10, which is why they named their first album 10 in, in his honor. Mookie Blaylock actually had a, a cease and desist about them calling themselves Mookie Blaylock. So, uh, number three on my list probably wouldn't have made yours, but number three is Yellow Lead Better. I love that song. I think it is uh, one of the most important Pearl Jam songs. Uh, Yellow Lead Better, not just because uh, of the fact that uh, – it references one of the great Mississippi families. They're from Aidmeet County, Mississippi. You know, Marcel, Odell, New Deal, Ledbetter. Number two on the list, Jeremy, an important song. Very, very important. The video, very powerful. And at its time, it was kind of cutting edge. A lot of controversy about that video. A lot of people didn't like that. It was about school shootings, uh, kind of ahead of the curve there. And uh, when that began to happen, there are a lot of people that kind of looked back and said it was you know, somewhat... Um, yeah, somewhat prophetic. But number one, I, the number one Pearl Jam song in my mind is Alive. I, I think that is a, a song that I listen to regularly. I think about many of the things that I have gone through in life, and many of you are, the, are cut from the same cloth. We are not just survivors, but we are overcomers. And so when I think about all those things, I think I, I'm still alive. I have gone through all of that. These people have, some people have treated me so poorly, and I have treated myself even worse at times in my life. But despite all of that, I am still alive. And, uh, I think Alive is somewhat anthemic, and I love the song, and I encourage you to go listen to some Pearl Jam today. I think it'll be a big thing for you, and I think you'll enjoy it far more than you realize. So let's get into some more football stuff. You know, Mississippi State, wide receiver recruiting has been a real adventure. You know, it wasn't too long ago when Mississippi State signed two receivers after National Signing Day, a National Signing Day that saw Billy Gonzalez sending out offers to players that we had really never recruited on National Signing Day. And I know this will come as a big shock to you, but it didn't work. <laughs> we, we didn't get any of those guys. We didn't get any. <laughs> but we did sign Reggie Tide and Osiris Mitchell post-signing day. And had Reggie Tide uh, come in here and flown straight, he'd still be here. But uh, – both of those kids actually worked out to be pretty good players for us. Uh, Osiris Mitchell has been the leading receiver a couple of years here at Mississippi State. I'm expecting a big breakout year for him. But here's the deal. And, I'm, and people are going to think, Steve, you're being hypercritical. And you know what? I'm okay with that too. An SEC team shouldn't be scraping 
to get a wide receiver. As Sylvester Croom told us years ago, there's a wide receiver on every street corner in South Florida. Well, for some reason, we couldn't get him. And we shouldn't be out as an SEC team having to depend on leg qualifiers to fill out our needs at receiver. It's almost inexcusable. I mean, it kind of boggles the mind to think how poorly we mismanaged that position group for many, many years. When you think about how people say, well, how did we get so wide receiver poor? What's well, because years and years we kind of neglected the position. Now, to be fair to Billy Gonzalez, who is somebody that I really, really like, Dan Mullen didn't throw the football a whole lot. Dan Mullen wanted to run the football. Dan Mullen, while he is a spread offensive-minded coach, Dan is a Big Ten coach at heart. Dan wants to line up and run the football, control the clock, and, uh, and then hit you with some play action. That's what he wants to do. At his core, that's what he wants to do. And he is going to use the quarterback and the running game uh, to just kind of change things up for you because it makes it more dynamic. You get more leverage when the quarterback becomes a runner and not just a distributor of the football. And so we developed a pedigree as a running team. We're able to go out and recruit running backs with great success. So we've done such a good job in the state of Mississippi producing running backs over the years. But Mullen was able to go get those guys. And I think Greg Knox, while Greg was not an elite recruiter, Greg Knox was one of the better football coaches on our staff and didn't get enough credit for that. But all that being said, we didn't throw it around. We took us a while before we, uh, we found – a quarterback that could handle all facets of the offense. And then we kind of built some some players around him. You know, Fred, people forget Fred Brown. Fred Brown is in the league. Fred Brown is a guy that we got out of Jim Hill High School, and I think he was the only kid on his team that could play football. And uh, some people laugh when they hear that. I, I'm not, I went and covered that kid. I went and got video of him. And basically the game plan was, okay, run, run for loss of – two, run for loss with three, and then hopefully we can run a wide receiver, one receiver route with Max Protect and just throw it up there and let Fred go get it. That was it. And I, I felt bad for those coaches thinking, you know, this is, this is the hand they've been dealt. But Fred Brown comes here, and Fred got kicked out of school. But Fred Brown, very, very talented guy. And I still think a lot of Fred. Fred made some big mistakes here at Mississippi State, didn't handle things academically the way that he should. Uh, and then was dismissed from school. But that was a kid that we really didn't beat anybody for. And you go back and look at this first, the, like the first couple of classes for Dan Mullen. There's a reason Dan had to play Arsuto Clark, Chris Smith, and Chad Bumpus. And remember, Bumpus and, and Smith played as freshmen. It's because we didn't have anybody. And then we get them, and then, and then we're able to make, begin to make a few plays with them. We took Chris Ralph and utilized his arm strength because Chris was a much better passer than he got credit for. I like to think what he could have – if, if Ralph had had Mullen throughout his career, I'm curious to see what would have happened. But uh, be that as it may, then you kind of took a step forward and you got you – know, you go get Donald Gray, you get Fred Ross, you get Deronia Wilson, and that, that's Tim Brewster kind of doing a lot of that. But Les Kenning's the guy that got Fred Ross – and if Yaya is not here on staff at Mississippi State, we probably don't get Fred Ross. Fred Ross probably ends up at Oklahoma State. But we got him. Deronye Wilson was a two-star kid that was a late bloomer. I think we finally got three stars for him late. 
Donald Gray was a uh, sign-and-place guy that went to Colin and then had an ankle injury and came back and had three years to play. But we had to kind of take some scratch-and-dent wide receivers and build a passing game around them. Well, we're not in that position any longer. You know, we have a receiver-friendly offense that's being installed. And so there's right now your coaches are selling a promise. You know, Dave Nickel and Steve Spurrier and those guys, they can call up guys and say, hey, listen, I know what you're used to at Mississippi State, but you go put on some film what we did at Washington State the last few years, and that's what we're going to do here. And there's a reason you bring your entire offensive staff with you. You know, like Mike Leach is the mad scientist, but, you know, he, he brought in all the lab helpers too. He brought in these people that have a tremendous amount of confidence, and I'll share with you this too. Being around these offensive coaches – there is an air of confidence around them that is a little unlike what we have seen in recent years. You know, Dan Mullen was one of those kind of guys, too, that was always like, okay, cool, okay, okay, let's go, because Dan had so much confidence in himself. There is that brand of confidence throughout the offensive staff. Now, you see some of that on the defensive side, too, but, I'm, but there, is, there's, there is an esprit de corps with this offensive group, they believe in this scheme. They believe in each other. And I think you bring them in in mass, and then Leach doesn't have to spend his time explaining to a running backs coach, okay, here's what we're going to do. They can hit the ground running. And I think because of all the things we've gone through with this global pandemic, the fact that we are bringing in the entire offensive staff in mass is going to be a huge benefit because we have an abbreviated practice schedule. We don't have the time we expected to have, and so bringing these guys in that already know their system is only going to help. Because these guys are familiar with the system, they're familiar with the brand of athlete that excels in the system, we are recruiting and attracting a different brand of wide receiver. Now, currently, you've got Brandon Buckhalter, originally from Callaway High School, currently at Hartsfield Academy, uh, as a guy that uh, can play either way. I like him on offense, but he can play either side of the football. Very, very talented guy. And now you're going to add to that. Now, we have talked about Teddy Knox for months over on the Jeans Page message board. We have, On the Truman Room board, we have talked about him extensively. Teddy has said for a couple months now, he's probably going to make a decision in June. I firmly believe Teddy Knox knows exactly what he wants to do and exactly where he wants to go. It is a matter of when rather than if. It is a matter of time before he is a Mississippi State Bulldog. He has talked about committing in June. I expect that to happen very, 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 very soon. I mean, to, I, I, in my mind, he's already in the class, and I think one of the best things about him, and, and for those of you that haven't had a chance to watch him on film or anything like that, he is incredibly confident as an individual. I remember the very first time that I, I called and talked to him, I was like, you know, Teddy, how are you coping with all this nonsense? He said, hey, coach, I'm doing great. How's your family? How, how are your kids handling all this? Do you have kids in school? Are they in high school? Are they in college? And so it's like I'm sitting here trying to interview this kid about his recruitment, and he's getting to know me. And so you can just begin to imagine what a recruiter he is going to be once he joins the Mississippi State class. He and Sawyer Robertson have already talked and built a bit of a bond. Uh, that's big stuff, and I look forward to kind of seeing what those guys will do together as a tandem, attracting other wide receivers. Now, I believe the Teddy Knox thing is a foregone conclusion. 
There is another Texas receiver out there that that's Dwayne Lofton out of Fort Worth. His uh, his head coach played at TCU, and uh, I understand he is incredibly close to his mother. And you say, well, Steve, we're all close to our moms. No, I understand that they are very much a unit, and she does her best to make every single game. That's important to her. So if TCU got involved, I would be more concerned. I had heard some things about SMU that uh, they were kind of playing the geography card. You know, hey, you do this for your mom, stay close, whatever. And they still are. But it appears that Mississippi State has hit another gear with him. And I think he understands that his path to a college education and to the big time of college football in the SEC is probably the best path for him to get to the National Football League. That's not to say that uh, there's some great receivers that had to come out of SMU. Emmanuel Sanders had a huge career there. But with the the amount of passes that we're going to throw right here in Starkville, it would make sense for a guy with elite speed, elite hands, and a long-term goal to get to the National Football League to give Mississippi State and Mike Leach a long look. I, I crystal balled him to State a few weeks ago, and I nearly changed. I nearly made it cloudy because I'd heard so much chatter about SMU, and I was beginning to get a little concerned. But my concern, my concerns about that have been somewhat abated. I believe Mississippi State is the team to beat. I think it's really a matter of time for him. He's going to take his time. It's probably going to be a longer process than Teddy Knox. I think Teddy's really ready to go. But we'll see. Canarius Johnson's the guy at Laurel High School. I believe right now, if I had to call it, I believe he is the second best receiver in the state of Mississippi. And it is a good year. Now, here's people have had some fun as of late on the Jeans Page message boards on social media that Ole Miss doesn't have anybody from Mississippi committed. And that's true. We've all kind of had our fun with the hashtag Mississippi made and sip boys and all that. Ole Miss is going to sign some kids from Mississippi, and I suspect they're going to sign some receivers. Isaiah Brevard is a guy they are on. The state was on him, too. State hadn't really pushed. Oregon has done a good job with him. Joe Moorhead's trying to get him to go up to Eugene. But Ole Miss will be involved with him. He's a South Haven kid. You know, Ole Miss did drop a South Haven kid last year. So, you know, we'll see. I don't know if there's any bad blood about that or not. But uh, but be that as it may, Ole Miss will be a factor with him. And I think Ole Miss is going to get Antonio Harmon out of Kosciuszko. And I hate that. I think Antonio Harmon's a great player. I'd love to see him come to Mississippi State. But uh, he's got connections to both State and Ole Miss. Got some Ole Miss people around him, I think, that are going to make sure that he goes to Ole Miss. And so he's going to be a good player no matter where he goes. And he's a great kid. That's one of the things, too, when these things happen, sometimes automatically people assume – well, if they're going to Ole Miss, they may not be our kind of kids. Antonio Harmon's a great kid. He's going to do a good job for no matter what school he goes to. Uh, you know, you'd like to be able to root for him. But I'll be very surprised if he doesn't go to Ole Miss. Uh, and, again, I think he's a guy that could kind of grow into that flex tight end position. Could be a jumbo X. Just kind of depends. His foot speed, with the amount of weight he might, might gather, might be a little bit of a concern. Uh, I think, may as a result, maybe you move him to tight end. But uh, with his catch radius – He's kind of freakish. And so those guys, I think, are going to end up going to Ole Miss. Uh, Harmon, possibly Brevard. And then we'll see. Jacoby Moore is a guy that I think Mississippi State could get out of Harrison Central. He likes Mississippi State. They hadn't really pushed him. I kind of get a sense the State's going to wait for the traffic to clear just a little bit. You know, State's in it with Keon Coleman. And uh, what's interesting about Coleman, if you go back and look at the history of his recruitment, this is a guy that had two dozen offers. 
and uh, before Mississippi State offered. And as soon as State offered, State goes to the favorites. You know, State goes from just another offer, just another school, to once they make an offer and kind of say, listen, this is what we're going to do, immediately State's a serious consideration. Then there's Malik Neighbors. Malik Neighbors is another guy, a Louisiana guy, very closely affiliated with Teddy Knox. And so I could see a situation, you know, where Teddy Knox – once he commits, gets to work on Malik Neighbors, those guys are very close. And I could see Teddy Knox helping kind of being a drawing card to get Malik Neighbors here. So this has the potential to be a great wide receiver haul for Mike Leach, Dave Nickel, and Steve Spurrier Jr. Now, when you begin to think about what we put together last year, we, went out, we signed four receivers, uh, five, excuse me. I, I, I keep forgetting about Jaden Wiley because he was listed as an athlete. But you go out and you sign two junior college guys, Caleb Ducking and uh, Malik Heath. And then you go add Tulu Griffin, Rufus Harvey, and Jaden Wally. You begin to think, okay, that's a pretty heavy class. You've got a lot of athletes in there. And now we're in a situation now where we're going to be able to stack on top of that. You go out and you get four, possibly five receivers this year. You have transformed that group. And, you know, Heath and Ducking are kind of stopgap guys while these younger guys develop. And I think Rufus Harvey and Rufus Harvey and, and uh, Griffin especially need a year in the weight room. But uh, Leach will know how to utilize those guys. We all know that. It's going to be very, very, very interesting to see how wide receiver recruiting unfolds. But I believe that we're going to look back on signing day and say, man, look, look, at, look at the collection of athletes we were able to get to sign to come play wide receiver at Mississippi State. I think it's going to be a much different deal than what we have seen. I don't think on signing day we're going to be begging anybody to come to Mississippi State because what's going to happen this fall is Mike Leach is going to be able to show these kids it's not just a promise. Here is the production. We came in here in year one with an NFL prospect at quarterback, and we're going to continue to add and recruit guys of that same caliber, and we're committed to throwing the football. We need you to come in here and catch it. It's going to be a huge part of things. Right now, everybody's saying, hey, look at what we did, and now they're saying, look at what we're about to do, and once we get a little bit deeper into the year, and this is where I think in some respects that the global pandemic, the silver lining in that is this, is with the fact that other schools – including state, have not been able to get out and, uh, and see players and host players, the recruiting process in some respects has been arrested. Now everybody's kind of waiting because they can't get on campus, they can't take official visits, they can't take unofficial visits, they can't come to practice, they can't come to a camp. And so now the next time they see Mississippi State, we're going to be throwing football around. So the evidence will be greater than the promise itself. You'll be able, they'll be able to see for themselves. That's the bigger part of things. I think some people forget that. It's like we talk about how great facilities are. We talk about relationships. We talk about, you know, friends. And we talk about, you know, connections, family legacies, and all that kind of stuff. At the end of the day, it's about playing sports. And you get in here, and if this is a system that, that you know, appeals to your sensibilities and your skill set, you got a chance to get in and do some big things. There, you're not gonna, there's not going to be a fullback that's going to be recruited to come to Mississippi State and play fullback because that's not the scheme that we run. You'd be better off going somewhere else. I don't, I don't care how many years his family's been season ticket holders. You don't go sign that kid just because he's a season ticket holder family. You go sign that kid because he can help you win football games. And so we're trying to win games, and we're trying to encourage these kids to come here and be a part of this because of the fact that 
Mike Leach's offense is going to be potent. It's going to be fun to play in. You can put up big numbers and hopefully get you to the National Football League. And so I think as a result, my honest opinion is, I think that we're going to see probably a change in the way we recruit running backs too. Because all-purpose yards are probably going to be greater than what they were before. But I think you know the actual rushing yardage is going to be a little different, obviously. We're going to kind of run it to keep you honest. When everybody starts bailing out and dropping eight in coverage, we'll just drop that draw on you and have uh, Kyle and Hill run for 25 or more. But I think we're going to go out and get more of those, you know, true dual threat running backs, too, that aren't just bruisers that can kind of carry the mail 25 times a game, but can be great receivers out of the backfield and guys that we can kind of flank out and uh, get into mismatches and then beat people down the field. I think this is going to be an absolute nightmare for opponents. And when Mike Leach is able to recruit at the level that we expect him to, I think he's going to see uh, a wider assortment of weapons than probably he's ever had. If you go and look at the Washington State numbers over the last few years, many of the guys that are turning into big production numbers are are not guys that were highly recruited. Many of those guys – are kind of blue-collar, three-star kids that have kind of worked their way up and have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. The leading receiver last year, Washington State, was a walk-on. So Mike Leach is able to get guys to give him all they have and then some. That's why I'm eager to see what guys like Austin Williams are going to do. We've always known Austin Williams very, very confident. And and quite frankly, you know, I think this system – probably plays into his skill set better than the the one he committed to and the one he's played in. And we say that every year. It's, it's because all of us see the promise in him. And then you see a guy like Javante Payton. Javante Payton, one of the better athletes on the team last year, uh, made some of the most acrobatic catches of the season, but he didn't get on the field a whole lot. And so this system is going to kind of force the hand there because – We've got to have some guys get out there and go run around and make some things happen. And so I am confident Mike Leach has worked with players not nearly as talented as Austin Williams and Javante Payton and found production with those players. I joke with somebody recently at Mississippi State and says, you know, I don't, I don't know that we're going to te- teach Mike Leach anything about coaching football. Mike Leach is going to come here and do a great job, and I think that everybody needs to kind of get on board with that. And there are a lot of people, I've seen some of the naysayers out there and some of our self-loathing fans, oh, you know, I think it's we're probably rebuilding this year, probably five and seven, six and six. No, no, I don't see that at all. If, if we stay healthy, uh, there's no reason to think we're not a strong bowl team. I don't mean six and six, independence, seven and five, that kind of stuff. I think State has a real chance to be an eight and four team this year. And I still believe that Mike Leach is going to upset somebody this year. And that is only going to excite us for the future. Because you're going to think, man, what's he going to do when he has a couple of years to kind of get this thing rolling? I think it's one of the best things that ever happened in Mississippi State football. We just need everybody to to hang on, hang in here, do a good job, continue to do the things that they've done. Uh, and I think that keeping the recruiting staff has been one incredible decision. And I think the fact that uh, you know, let's look at the Reed Bias thing. You know, the fact that uh, this new staff has been able to kind of bring in some uh, some recruits from their their old haunts, but also, too, have the resources in place to recruit the state of Mississippi very strongly. That was a good decision. And so we're going to finish things up today, and uh, I'm going to be back Friday 
we'll probably have the show recorded for you pretty early because uh, I'm planning to get out of town, going to see the kids, and uh, get out and uh, spend some family time. And I encourage you guys to do the same. But uh, on Friday, I'm going to do that junior college JUCO Impact Top 10 because I, I, the more I have thought about that, I've almost driven myself crazy with it, thinking, you know, we could almost do a top 50 considering how productive some junior college players have been at Mississippi State. They're going to be some very talented players left off the list no matter when we decide to do it. I mean, you can go all the way back, you know, the 50s and 60s. You know, the Mississippi Junior College system has produced players regularly, guys that have gone on to the National Football League. And so there have been some guys like Amontez Sweat that has uh, signed on with Michigan State and then rebooted his career in the Mississippi Junior College system. And there are going to be others that have gone through there and really kind of found a, you know, a niche, guys that kind of found themselves on the football field in the Mississippi Junior College uh, football system. And so it's interesting. I have I've sat down, I've done some research on it, I've looked, and I've driven myself crazy with thinking, how in the world am I going to pick ten names? Ten names. Because you've got to have Fred Smoot in there, right? Then you could have Kevin Prentice in there. And, you know, he probably won't make the list. But people forget Eric Butler was a absolute assassin in that secondary at Mississippi State. And uh, he's out of Blinn. He's out of Blinn Community College and then went on and played in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, you know, so you could almost have a Jackie Juco list and then a post-Jackie Juco list because that's how productive it's been. And then you can go back, you know, probably in the 60s and 70s and put together a very quality top 10 list. So I'm not exactly sure how I'm going to do it yet, but we're going to talk about it because the Mississippi Junior College system has been very, very good to Mississippi State. Well, folks, again, I hope you guys get out and have some fun. And uh, listen, it's gonna, there's going to be some bumps in the road ahead, but we're going to figure some things out. We're going to have football. We're going to have school. Uh, I even saw earlier today that USC's announced they're going to have – uh, in-class instruction at USC out in California this year. And, and a month ago, people thought they're not going to have any school at USC. I know that some uh, California schools have already talked about online or distance learning. Everybody will figure it out. We're going to make it, kids. Be positive. Get excited. Buy your season tickets. Get ready to come out. Big things ahead for Mississippi State football. Actually can't wait for it. And uh, if you hadn't done so, go to starkvillainsthebook.com. You can order personalized copies of Flim Flam and Stark Villains. And then on Friday, we'll, I'm, I'm going to announce the title of the new book on Friday. Go ahead and get ready for that. We'll talk about it. I'll kind of give you my thoughts behind it, uh, finalizing some things now. And uh, it's hard for me to believe sometimes that book number three is almost done. And uh, it is so incredible to have these great stories to be able to share with all of you. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.